This is Fantasy Football Yesterday from the Sports Division of Columbia Broadcasting System. Phone us at Klondike 51212. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. If you have a time machine. Now, here's some swell combination of Mr. Azer, Mr. Richard, Mr. Eisenberg, Mr. Cummings, and Mr. Grant. Le'Veon Bell. You drafted him with a top five pick a couple years ago. He did not play a game. He was like, nope, not going to play. Don't feel like it. Is he the biggest bust of the last 23 seasons, 1997 to 2019? Of course he is not. It's a weak answer. A weak answer, ladies and gentlemen. We'll tell you who the biggest busts of this era are today on Fantasy Football Yesterday. Adam, Dave, Jamie Heath here. Jamie, I know you disagree. You chose Le'Veon Bell as your biggest bust. It's not even close. <laughs> it is not even close. He's the biggest bust in the history of fantasy football. Why him and not not like Jordy Nelson when he tore his ACL? Because that was out of uh, anybody's control but Le'Veon Bell's, but Jordy Nelson's. Yeah, well, if you want to take the easy Le- way Le'Veon, out, Le'Veon, Le'Veon said he was going to play. Le'Veon kept hinting at coming back. He went back to Pittsburgh during the season, and we thought he was going to come back to play. All the reports were saying, oh, he's going to play by this week, by this week, by this week. He bleeped us. So bleep him. He's the biggest <laughs> bleep and bust of all time. Okay. Heath, do you agree? Is that, yeah, is that the right answer? Is it Le'Veon Bell? I can't believe that we spent like 15 minutes on this on Twitch last night, and now you still don't get it. It's obvious he is the biggest. Like, I don't, I didn't really i tried very hard to not even consider guys who got hurt because i don't want to call somebody a bust when they suffered an injury that hurt and probably cost them like long-term career earnings that's not not cool but so if you take out all the guys that got hurt the heath rules um i think he's clearly and i think antonio brown's right behind him i didn't even bother putting him as my top bust because i figured other people would you're smart there's no question about it because you drafted him he took up a spot on your team. He got you zero fantasy points. You could have drafted Heath, and he would have given you the same amount of fantasy points. I would have given him more. But but you didn't have to start him. Wouldn't isn't he a, was wasting a spot on your roster? Not the whole year, but it isn't isn't a almost better, the whole year. Isn't a better bust someone that you actually played and just straight up stunk? Someone that cost you because Jay, if James Conner didn't have such a great year, then maybe, but. A lot of Bell owners had James Conner, so they didn't really lose that much. They lost a the roster Wait, are, spot. Are you playing devil's advocate, or is this really? What no, I. Heath's rules are no injured players. Which I, I agree. I extended my, I extended Heath's rules to no injured players, no suspensions, no Le'Veon Bell situations. I only picked players who were drafted in the first round and were really, really bad. Played. Would you rather poorly. draft a player who was really, really bad and gave you? At least one fantasy point or a player that you drafted in the first round and gave you zero oh, fantasy points. the point. player in the first round because I didn't start him. You're talking yeah, about... Yeah, but this, you, you keep saying, first off, there's never been a player, to my knowledge, that has gone, that you drafted in the first round that played the entire season and gave you terrible fantasy points week in, week out. Uh, okay, Week but in the, and week out, right. It's so, well, I, I do see that did. Adam only turned in two compared to some people turning in threes. Maybe that's... But I don't think both of his qualify. Okay, my my two are Trent Richardson, 2013. He was the eighth pick. He played 16 yep. games. He was RB32 in PPR. He averaged three yards per carry. Eddie Lacy, fourth pick in 2015 in ADP. 
played 15 games, finished just like Richardson, RB32 in PPR. Those guys were less valuable than Le'Veon Bell because they were in your lineup, certainly for more weeks. I mean, I'm sure at some point people were like, Trent Richardson stinks, Eddie Lacy stinks, I'm not starting him. But it had to be at least half the season, whereas you never had to start Le'Veon Bell, and hopefully you started James Conner and you got a top 10 running back. Yeah, I mean, that's the way that the only way that that worked out for you is that when you drafted Le'Veon, you you handcuffed him to James Conner, whether you thought that Le'Veon was going to hold out or not. And then you still ended up with a good pick. But, but, it, but it doesn't have to you be. Would you rather just drafted somebody else in round one and taken James Conner in round 12? But it doesn't even have to be James Conner. It could be the scenario you just said, Dave. It could be somebody else that you drafted that was very good yeah. that year, too. So, you know, if if you knew that Le'Veon, okay, let's say he he was going to play eight games. And maybe you still want the, the Ezekiel Elliott situation where, you know, I, I know some of us were saying draft him, some were saying avoid him because of the fear of the suspension, the year that he missed six games. And so at least you had some semblance of an idea he was going to play and then maybe miss. This was, we kept getting up until the start of the season, he's going to be there. It really wasn't until if you were drafting the week of the season that he started to really fall. Like Adam, what was his ADP that year? Okay, I'll I'll look it up. Both what year formats, was it? 2018. Since you, found, since you found a new toy. Yeah, <laughs> give me give me a moment. I'll I'll look it up. Um, so I, I, I keep think, talking while I look it up. I think it's just one of those situations where it. I'd rather have the ability to play somebody with the hope that this was going to be, be the week that they gave you something, because chances are that there were some of those weeks, than not having that guy available at all. Not because of injury, but because he just didn't show up. All right, 2018 in PPR. I don't know what at what point. This says uh, September 1st through September 4th. At that point, Le'Veon Bell was going third overall. See? Yeah, but, so Eddie Lacy was going fourth overall. I, but I just think that the fact that you never had to start Le'Veon Bell, he never actually hurt your you I, know your week. Okay, but, was but the benefit same thing. It's, it, it, was, it, yeah, let's see how good you are at fantasy when everyone else I, in your league has a first-round pick but you. How many best ball leagues did he kill people? Yeah, but what's the difference between having Le'Veon Bell and having just a terrible player? The the difference is at least you could you could play someone else who's going to be better than Eddie Lacy and Trent Richardson were. But you could play somebody better than Eddie Lacy and Trent Richardson too. But you wouldn't have, but you wouldn't have done that right out of the gate. You obviously would have stuck with them for a while. In, in Eddie Lacy's defense, right out of the gate, he had ninety nine total yards and a touchdown week one. Boom. Great, but he still Eddie Lacy had, just got me a got me a then W. You, then you probably you probably stuck with him too long that week that year. He had he had ninety three yards in week four. Then he had a great run week nine, a hundred yards. Week ten, a hundred and five. Week twelve, a hundred and twenty. RB thirty two touchdown. RB thirty two. He had a great stretch where he was. What number was Levy on that year? RB what? James, you mean James Conner? He, he no, was no, up there. No, 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 not 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 the guy who played for the Steelers. The guy who didn't play for the Steelers who was drafted. On the last week of the season, based on your favorite ADP, third overall. I need to correct something. I uh-huh. need to correct something. This Eddie Lacy, week 14, first week of the fantasy playoffs, 124 yards, 148 total yards, and a touchdown. Week 16, fantasy championship, 88 total yards, and a touchdown. 13%. The good 13%. Three of the fantasy playoffs. 13% of the teams. 13% of the teams that drafted Eddie Lacy made the playoffs, made the fantasy playoffs. 13%. And a How lot of people fun? that drafted Le'Veon Bell made the playoffs. How about this? Trent think, Richardson wait. had at least nine PPR points each of his first four games of 2013. Oh, nine guys. PPR points. Wow. By the way, do you, nine more than Le'Veon. do you really think that 
that 13% stat was real? I have no, no. idea how many... <laughs> like, you say things every show that aren't real, right, Jamie? Um, <laughs> and in real life, too. He, uh, he, he does tend to... Um, to lie about the things that he says he's going to do All right, he doesn't do. Another lie of mine exposed in just a little bit. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about a few news and notes, and we're going to call this segment, Do You Care? I'm going to tell you three quasi-headlines you tell me, Do You Care? Headline number one, T.Y. Hilton says he's going to dominate the league this year. I don't care. It's. I mean, it's better than him saying he's going to suck. It is better than that, yeah. Okay, <laughs> number two. Anthony Miller says 2020 will be his best year yet. Don't care. I, uh, I, I, I agree. So. I, I would hope so. Be, Punk right? is cheap, baby. And number three, Ryan Tannehill and Johnu Smith are working out together in South Florida. I care more about that than I do the other two. I care yeah. at least about that than I do the other two. Really? Why? Yeah. Great. Downgrade AJ Brown. Oh, Ben's not on this podcast. <laughs> Wait, Jamie, why do you care AJ less about AJ Brown that did than... not start running routes. To... No, sorry. <laughs> I'm uh, curious. Okay, you don't like hearing about a quarterback and a tight end starting to work out together? Uh, I would anticipate that anybody within region of each other are going to be throwing with each other or having some sort of communication. So it doesn't surprise me in the least. But that matters less to you than a player <laughs> saying he's going to have his best year ever? <laughs> um. Well, I'm excited about Anthony Miller, so I'm happy to hear him that he's confident in himself. And it was a good story uh, that they wrote about him. And uh, T.Y. Hilton, I think the fact that he's excited about Philip Rivers is good to know, too. I mean, they're all pretty low on the care scale. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it's kind of cool that Tannehill and Johnny Smith are working out together. I wonder if it, this particular year that would matter more, just because we don't know when exactly. everybody's going to be able to work out together. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they played together last year. That they did, yeah. <laughs> they if, know. Like they've been introduced. If they went to the movies together, pick their movie theater snacks. What What are you getting for Ryan Tanner? What well, are you getting for? I mean, why are you trying to depress people? Nobody go to the movies now. What's wrong with you? All right, in four months, <laughs> <laughs> when the new Jesse Eisenberg flick is out, they're going together. They're gonna get. They're gonna get snacks. Quarantine land. <laughs> what are they gonna get? Let's pick their snacks. Popcorn for Tannehill. Plain popcorn for Tannehill. Because all the other candy will be good next year. Uh, popcorn <laughs> definitely won't. Jeez. Okay. Jadu Smith. Um... Peanut M&M's for Jadu. Oh, that's a brilliant call. He's He must be a smart guy. Peanut M&M's are, are right up there at the top. They are on the candy rush more. And then Tannehill's going to ask for some of the peanut M&M's so he can mix it with his popcorn. Interesting. That would be a, an interesting mix. Today's, yeah, that's Tannehill. Today's big topic is uh, about one of the lies I've told. I told this on it was Twitch, right? Last night? That was the first lie. That was the first lie. The first lie I told last night on Twitch, I was saying how I drafted as my number two quarterback. I drafted... Wouldn't it be two nights ago? Yes. Right. Well, it's Wednesday night currently, but you're hearing this on Thursday, so you good call. Again. On mm -hmm. Tuesday, uh, <laughs> I, on Tuesday, I said I drafted Daniel Jones over Aaron Rodgers with a late-round pick when, in fact... I drafted Baker Mayfield over Aaron Rodgers with a late round pick because I already had it was Mahomes, right? I had Mahomes. You sure? No. What sport were you <laughs> drafting? <laughs> uh, so as my second quarterback, I went further down in the rankings because I thought those guys had more upside than um, Aaron Rodgers. So the big topic today is what do you look for when you draft your number two quarterback and will you stray from your rankings if, that, if you're looking, say, for upside? Yes. 
I agree with what you did. Just not how I said it because I said the wrong people. Uh, yeah, no, I think your theory is right. You know, you want to take a guy that that has the potential to, you know, really hit it out of the park and, as opposed to a guy that's going to be safer when you already have a guy that should be your starter week in, week out. Now, the overall theory would be don't take a second quarterback if that's the case because I think you're wasting a pick. But if you are going to take a second quarterback in that vein, you take the guy that has the certainly the higher ceiling. I usually look for Gardner Minshew. Why? As my second quarterback. Because nobody else drafts him. So I know they'll be there. And he was a low-end number one last year. I expect him to be maybe just a little bit better this year. Or borderline number one, I should say. Not low-end. Borderline number one. And I think it helps to look for a quarterback that's got some rushing potential. We've seen that from Lamar Jackson last year and Josh Allen the last two years. That those guys aren't drafted early on. And they give you something on top of what they can do through the air. And I think it helps if you've got a quarterback that's got a good schedule in front of them. Like I, so I the, definitely, I perked up for Roethlisberger and Phillip Rivers because of the early season schedules. I think the, they're in my top 12, but were the running quarterbacks, are there, is there one of those guys that you could find late? That's a 500 yep. or more yard rusher. I think Daniel Jones could get there. Minshew, like if you divide 500 by 16, what do you get? Could he end up with 500 yards by the end of the year? I think it's possible that he gets close to that. It's like 35 yards a game, right, Heath? You're forgetting one, though. Who? Tyrod. Yeah, sure. I mean, he has all Matter the things you were talking about. Rushing right. r- rushing upside, fantastic schedule. Um, I don't know that he's going to keep the job, but I don't think he's... A, like, I, I'm warming to him. Sure, because you can use him as a early season... Type of of quarterback. And so one of the things I struggle with when I do my rankings is do I rank quarterbacks based on rest of season expectations or full season expectations, or do I rank them based on the order I would take them? Because I would definitely take Tyrod ahead of somebody like Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, you know, he's he's blah. Mm -hmm. But Tyrod can get me off to a hot start, and then I just find another quarterback when he gets benched for Justin Herbert, whenever that is. I mean, that's the struggle with with doing rankings in May is – you know, we could find out by the time they break camp that it's Herbert's job to lose. And Taylor just has to keep Herbert sitting on the bench because he's that much better and the Chargers feel like he gives them a better chance to win now. How much are you going to ridicule me when I draft three quarterbacks in a one-quarterback league? We've seen How that. many rounds is your draft? 15 or 16. Dave, yeah, gonna, what if it I'm was... What if it was 14 rounds and it was only 10 teams? I just don't understand why. Like, what? what the, well, what's the I, I think the late round quarterbacks are still really good players, right? In our leagues, you know, and if you're in a league that doesn't draft a lot of quarterbacks like many of our leagues, um, and some of you are. And I think that those, look, the last two years, the number one quarterback has been a late round pick, Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. and Lamar Jackson. And they've basically been the most valuable players in fantasy, or at least on a very, very short list. I think you have a better chance of finding that type of player at the quarterback position compared to the guys that you're going to draft late at other positions. Um, most of the guys you're going to draft late at other positions are going to be bad and off your team soon. Now, I'm just looking back at a draft we did last year, Fantasy Football Today, three receivers, PPR, some really good late-round picks, beginning in round 12 out of 16. Um, so the last five rounds, two of them are going to be defense and kickers. But so of the last three picks that most owners were making, you have Austin Hooper in there. You've got um, DK Metcalf. You've got 
non-quarterbacks, non-quarterbacks. Debo Samuel, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews. Uh, I would say that tight end and quarterback, though, DJ Chark was in there. There were some really good ones. There were some really bad ones, too. Trey Quinn, C.J. Anderson, Ryquel Armstead, Chris Thompson, Adam Humphreys, Eric Ebron. But I think quarterback and tight end at that range in the draft have um, the best chance of being elite at their position. And I got no problem taking three of them and hoping that in week one or week two, I, I, I just nailed my breakout. And I, oh my gosh, I just got Patrick Mahomes. I just got Lamar Jackson. Uh, and I'm going to ride those guys the rest of the year. Yeah, I just wrote I, an article about this for our magazine. I think the thing that you 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 hit on there is interesting in the fact of if you're taking one of these breakout quarterbacks, is it pairing them with a stud guy coming into the draft? Mahomes, Jackson, whoever you want to throw up there, Dak, Russell Wilson, or is it pairing them with maybe Kyler who – could break out but could falter um you know maybe tom brady who might not live up to expectations in tampa you know one of those type of players drew Brees, who could you know struggle at his age whatever Wentz, the case who gets be. hurt all the time Wentz, who gets hurt all the time great one um i think that's that's part of it the other side of it is adam you just listed several great breakout players metcalf dj chark um some other guys that you know tight ends clearly and i know that's part of your, your argument but you may have missed out on one of those guys because you took a chance on the third quarterback or even the second quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Always always a negative to it as well. Um, I, I think, yeah, I'm going to stick with that whole philosophy of quarterback and tight end having the best chance in that range. Remember, we had a great rookie wide receiver draft class last year. It was unusual. But Dave, what did you write about? Just the, how deep quarterbacks and tight ends are and, and where quarterback studs have been found. And I mean... If you're trying to find the next Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, then you should spend, you shouldn't take a quarterback for the first eight rounds of your fantasy draft. And then you'll take two to close your draft out. And you could do the exact same thing at tight end. I'd be more inclined to spend a pick on a tight end early if I got a good value on Ertz in round five, which I've had a couple of times in our drafts, or if Kittle goes into round three. I'm not going to, I'm not going to run away from that. But if, if, if I can get two quarterbacks and two tight ends and spend all the rest of my picks through the first eight rounds on running backs and receivers, I'm going to have a competitive team. I don't know if it's going to be an amazing team, but I'll have a chance at try. I'll have multiple chances at finding this year's Lamar Jackson, this year's Darren Waller, this year's Mark Andrews, this year's Patrick Mahomes. You know, the list goes on. This year's Austin Hooper, because a couple of years ago, Hooper was a great late round pick. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's maximizing value late in the draft. And what what happens if you miss? Okay, let's say you take Tyrod Taylor and Gardner Minshew, and both of them struggle to break out. Well, on the waiver wire, there's going to be somebody. Someone's going to be there for you. Same thing at tight end. It won't be as great as quarterback, but someone will be there for you. Replacement value for quarterback and tight end isn't isn't really that much different than the low end type of options that you might draft late that fizzle out. And as good as Metcalf and Debo were last year, they were like wide receiver 30. You know, they weren't yep. league winners. And what what players were taken late that did fizzle out amongst DK and Debo? Oh, gosh. I'm right. So Goodwin, for every one of those Daria guys, Gumbawale. there's probably like six or seven yeah. receivers that just absolutely sucked. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Heath, any final thoughts or shall we move on? I think we should move on. All right, let's do it. Listen up, Fantasy Football Today listeners. CBS Sports HQ is now on Pluto TV, which means 
Fantasy Football Today. The video version is now on Pluto TV. If you're if you are a Pluto TV watcher, you can see us talking fantasy there at noon Eastern all week long, and really like throughout the season all week long, and obviously on Sunday morning. But CBS Sports HQ is uh, another resource for you to be great in fantasy. It is now on Pluto TV. You can check it out in the sports section on channel 459. Fantasy football yesterday. Yesterday. Echo effect. The biggest busts of 97 through 2019. We had our Le'Veon Bell discussion. What are uh, some other options here for the biggest busts? Who are some other names you'd like to nominate? Larry Fitzgerald, 2012. Ooh, that's a good one. You know, when I originally saw that on your list, Jamie, I was like, how bad was Larry Fitzgerald ever? And then it turned out that (laughs) there was a really good reason why he had a terrible year in 2012. Yeah, that was uh, the quarterback uh, quartet of John Skelton, Kevin Cobb, Ryan Lindley, and Brian Hoyer. Uh, So he went from 1,411 yards, eight touchdowns in 2011 to 71 catches, 798 yards, and four touchdowns in 2012. It was... uh, Absolute total disaster for Larry Fitzgerald. And as we talked about on Twitch, it was nice to see him rebound uh, when Bruce Arians got there and Carson Palmer and what Fitzgerald was able to sort of resurrect himself to being a bounce back as well. You want to hear something funny? How about this? According to Fantasy Football Calculator, 2012 PPR average draft position, Larry Fitzgerald was the third wide receiver picked. Who do you think? Where do you think he went as the third wide receiver off the board? Second round, late second. Yeah, mid-second, I was going to say. Very good. Ninth pick of the second round. Third wide receiver off the board. Ninth pick of the second round. Times they are changing. Um, All right, so Larry Two tight ends probably went ahead of him, right? Well, let's take a look. In 2012? Uh, Well, maybe Gronk. Well, maybe two. Gronk and Graham could have. Gronk did. Graham did not. Here's your ADP. Wow. Three quarterbacks. Arian Foster, Ray Rice, Aaron Rodgers, Calvin Johnson, LaShawn McCoy, Tom Brady, McFadden, Chris Johnson, Forte, (laughs) DeMarco Murray, Drew Brees, that's round one, Julio Jones, MJD, Jamal Charles, Rob Gronkowski, Fred Jackson, Ryan Matthews, Larry Fitzgerald. And that was the Peterson comeback here. Well, interesting. He, Adrian Peterson. Let's see, I oh, love love this ADP tool. Can't find it. Wait, so what happened in 2012 with him? That was he was coming out the ACL. He didn't get drafted. That can't be. Oh, he got drafted, uh, but it was probably mid round pick. Not showing up in the old average draft position. Okay, uh, who else, Dave? Who are some of your biggest busts? Well, Trent Richardson made my list because sky high expectations. I remember loving Trent Richardson coming into the 2013 season and uh first two games really didn't do a lot for the browns got traded to the colts for a first round pick and uh fizzled out soon thereafter he he was out of the league by 2014 which yeah he was so bad (laughs) he was so bad and i even hung on to richardson you know in my heart anyway for like another year when he went to the colts Mm -hmm. like you know what they're gonna give him an opportunity Maybe he's yeah. good. He was not good. I don't know, he, he averaged 2.9 yards per carry with the Colts. And then just to be to be sure that he sucked, when he came back to the Birmingham Iron of the AAF, his rushing average still sucked, but he did score 12 touchdowns in eight games. 
Heath, any of your biggest busts? Yeah, you've already poo-pooed two of them. Le'Veon Bell in 2018 and Antonio Brown in 2019. Even though Antonio Brown played football. Yeah, he had a game. Um, But my other one, like, there's no debating. It should be on the Mount Rushmore of busts. 2010, Randy Moss. Hmm. Um, In his first three years in New England, he had double-digit touchdowns every year. He averaged about 1,200 yards per season. He was so bad in the first month of the season that they traded him, and then he got cut and signed by a different team. He played 16 games for the Patriots, Vikings, and Titans. Only earned 63 targets. Only caught 28 of them for 393 yards and five touchdowns. I don't know what his 2010 ADP was, but I don't believe he was a top 50 wide receiver. I think he was close to it. I think I went back and looked at what I wrote about some of these guys back when we were talking about them. So 2010 in the case of Moss. And I think we had him as like a round four or five. Oh, no, no. Did somebody say ADP? Eighth, what was it? eighth overall wide receiver really? two in 2010. You know what? My bad. I'm thinking of his year in Oakland. Yeah. His first year in Oakland. He had been a top two receiver two of the past three seasons and top 10 all three years. Mm -hmm. 2010, he played 16 games and finished as the number 67 wide receiver. Tony (laughs) Moyaki had more yards than Randy Moss. 67th. In the the following year, Wes Walker had his best season ever, 2011. Uh, Jamie, did Heath put Frank Gore in 2018 or 19 as his, on his bus list or anything like that? Can we get no, no, Frank no. Gore on any more too good. You don't, you don't <laughs> He's put always a pres- been undervalued. You don't put a president on, on the bus list. I guess not. I guess not. Although, yeah, Brady Moss could have been on both, the, the Bustmore and the Rushmore. Uh, all right. Any other things? Because we, we, we also want to spin it forward and see, you know, the 2020 bus. Early predictions of 2020 busts. We can go to that unless there are more names you need to throw out there. I, mean, I think Doug Martin. Uh, Which time? Yeah, but you know, for him in 2013, it was injury, but he was the third pick of the draft. He only played six games. He scored one touchdown. C.J. Spiller was the sixth pick in 2013. Um, he played 15 games. He finished as RB27, so he was almost as bad as Richardson and Lacey. C.J. Anderson, too, 11th overall pick in 2015, played 15 games, finished as RB31 in PPR. DeAndre Hopkins, 2016. Yeah. Osweilard. Yeah. How about Zach Stacy? Yep. Jeff Fisher thought he had his his new workhorse running back, and uh, <laughs> not even close. He had to use Trey Mason, I believe that's who it was, to carry out the year. Yep. Allen Robinson, twenty sixteen. Yeah. Funny the the range of Rams running backs for fantasy, right? Because they had some of the absolute best. They had the most of the guys that we talked about in this era, 97 to 2019, the most of the guys drafted in the Ultimate Fantasy Draft. It was Falk's best year, 2000, Gurley's best year, 2017, and Steven Jackson's best year, 2006. You know, we got a good question about why Sean Alexander didn't end up on the Rushmore. I don't know that we talked about him at all this week, really. We did. He was drafted. 2005 season was his best. But I think to your Peterson argument, he didn't catch a lot of passes. So uh, PPR versus non-PPR, where Heath was confused about what we were doing. Um, but in, uh, probably non-PPR, his stats would have registered a little bit higher. 
Yeah, probably. All right, let's talk about 2020 busts. Who are some guys that you think we're going to be talking about as busts uh, at the end of 2020? It's probably very similar to the uh, the one-year wonders that we threw out on Twitch and the Wednesday morning show, I think. Um, but, I mean, for me, it's, uh, you know, the two big names would probably be Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones at running back. And then just based on ADP, Lamar Jackson, you know, he's the one that I think if he if he struggles for whatever reason, similar to Patrick Mahomes, you know, you're you're going to regret probably drafting him with a first round pick. But I think those two running backs for how good they were last year, I think they come down Henry and, and Jones for me. I think, Heath, you disagree with the Henry selection. Well, I mean, it depends. I, I think it's all for me, at least it's all about injury with Derrick Henry. Like, sure, if if he gets hurt and misses a quarter of the season, then he will probably be a bust. But if he plays 16, 15 games, um, I don't have much concern about him. I just think he's an, an incredibly different athlete. When uh, when Sean Alexander and Larry Johnson both had their mega carry seasons, they both suffered the same injury. They both had like major foot fractures that just completely derailed their entire careers. So if there's that could be the injury that happens to Derrick Henry, I mean it would it's curtains. But Dave, something we, like that. We, Jamie and I, I think, disagreed on this last week. Sure. I, do you view Henry as more of an injury risk because of that workload than Dalvin Cook? No, but it's it. I feel like it's a slightly. You mean like compared to Cook and all the work that he had? No, I mean compared to Cook and missing nineteen Just in games general? in the first three years. The one reason why I think Derrick Henry can overcome it is because I just think that he's a different type of runner than Alexander and Larry Johnson. That he's just too he's he's Frankenstein. And Larry Johnson was a big dude, I know it, but I, I don't think he was quite like Derrick Henry. And Sean Alexander was I felt like he was more of a slasher than than Derrick Henry. And Henry is listen, he's open up to injuries, obviously. He's playing the position that gets beat up the most. He takes on plenty of contact. And I think the Titans are going to want to try and preserve him a little bit more, too. They can't just, well, maybe they can throw him to the wolves since he's playing just on a franchise tag. But if they're really trying to ride him and keep him fresh all year, they'd be smart to use someone like Darrington Evans a little bit more in their offense. There's a lot to not like about Henry. But the thing that I love about him is that he just seems to be an unstoppable beast when he's on the field. The thing I think is interesting for, for you, Heath, is that you're expecting Tannehill to regress significantly, right? You know, yeah, from his efficiency, for sure, yes. So wouldn't the offense as a whole struggle if the quarterback is going to be less efficient and he has a down season to a certain extent? I I think it could. It didn't really bother Derrick Henry when they finally let him loose in 2018. Um, the quarterback play didn't really matter that much because they weren't throwing very often. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I just think it's interesting that, you know, you keep – poo-pooing Ryan Tannehill, which I understand, <laughs> and, and, and I get it. But, right. you know, like, scoring chances could be down. You know, I mean, it's not like he's going to fall back on his passing game to help him. I mean, we are talking about a guy that had a, a career high in receptions last year at 18. He could right. be better. Yeah. He, he could get to, you know, 30, 35, and, you know, he's he's finding a way to be productive in that way. And, and I, I, you know, I'm, we're editing our magazine right now, and our bus story is in, and the first line that I wrote about Derrick Henry is, this is the one that's going to make me look stupid. I totally get it. If he's healthy and plays 16 games, he should be an absolute star. There's just so much data that tells us that these running backs, you know, football outsiders with what they did in 2004, 
with the curse of 370. Most of it is is the numbers in the regular season. But the Titans have experienced this once before as well. They had a running back that had a lot of work that was very productive in the year 2000. It was Eddie George. And he came back the next year. He played 16 games. He just wasn't as good. He had more wear and tear on his body. He had more production over the course of his career at that point. But, you know, Henry's a bigger dude. We already saw last year. You know, he had to miss a game because of a hamstring injury. Those things could be a problem, too. He may miss four or five games. And his points per game could be awesome. But his total production could be a little bit lower than where you're drafting him. It's really more an ADP conversation, I think, than a production standpoint. I just... He terrifies me in the first round of any format, and I, I just I tend to avoid players like this. Boy, how many one yard touchdown runs did he have? One, two, three, four, five, six, plus a three yarder. Um, well, I mean, it's seven from three yards out or closer, six from one yard away. Things just really fell into place for him. And in well, the John who's getting all those because they're yeah. <laughs> in the regular season, he only had eighteen more touches than Dalvin Cook, but Cook played two playoff games, um, had, let's see, 46 touches. Derrick Henry had 88. So, what you know, something like 65 more touches, I guess, for Derrick Henry throughout the year than, uh, than Dalvin Cook when you include the playoffs. You see teams like the Titans, I don't say every year, but like this feels like the Jaguars run in oh, 2017. 100%, man. You know, I'm selling just, the Titans. Things just clicked. You know, Tannehill got hot. Henry was amazing. Defense played well, you know, it's, it's, and then you have to start paying guys, you know, so you got to pay, uh, you know, Tannehill and give him probably more money than he deserves. And I, I say that in the vein of just, you know, him stacking up compared to the other quarterbacks and, you know, Henry getting the franchise tag. We'll see if they're going to extend him at some point. And who knows, maybe he's frustrated with the franchise tag and we'll see if that has an impact as well. I'm just, I'm buying a lot of stock in Darrington Evans. That That's a player that I'm going to take in almost every draft. I may cut him after the first four weeks, but I'm going to take a flyer on him, especially these early drafts. They also lost their right tackle, Jack Conklin. But look, the NFL is the NFL. They, they're half the league that makes half the playoff teams miss the playoffs the next year. I don't know exactly what the stat is, but it's around that. It, you know, Titans. To me, they feel like a team that's not going to be as good. Do you got who thinks the Titans are making the playoffs this year? Not me. Uh, I'm probably thinking against it at this point. I haven't really thought long and hard though. Whole thirty-five. 35, 40 percent. They yeah, are. I think Indianapolis is better too. They're expanding oh. the playoffs though, right? Not this year. Not this year. Okay. Baseball is my apologies. You sure? I thought I thought the playoffs were this year and the extra week was. Yeah, I think it's this year. Okay. Yeah, I'll that Google that it. might change things, but that you know they'll be I think fringe wild card team. Uh, all right, so we do talk a lot about Aaron Jones. If you remove the four games that Jamal Williams left with an injury or missed altogether, he averaged 13 carries per game in 12 games with Jamal Williams healthy. 13 carries per game. It, it, you know, you take that guy in the first round, he gets 13 carries per game, you're you're screwed. You take him in the second round, I don't know. When should Aaron Jones go? Second or third? Third at the earliest for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay at the end of the second. I think the, the more interesting stats are his receiving numbers. I mean, you said this time and again. He had 49 catches for 474 yards for the season. 22 of those came in the four games that Devontae Adams missed. 281 yards came in the four games Devontae Adams missed. And all three of his receiving touchdowns came in the four games that Devontae Adams missed. I mean, it's just, he was so awesome in that four-game stretch. And then he just wasn't the same guy in the passing game. And, you know, I don't think A.J. Dillon is going to take him off the field in those situations, obvious passing that situations, but Jamal Williams still can. Dylan could take him off the field near the goal line. Yeah. Which I don't 100%. think is necessarily warranted. I think Aaron Jones was good near the goal line last year. 
But why else would you draft AJ Dillon and then not give him a role that seems like he was yeah, born we, for? We we said this uh, on on the Wednesday show with the the one year wonders about Aaron Jones that if he scored six touchdowns, I, I would not be shocked. Uh, I've got on my potential list of busts, and I, people might be like, "What are we talking about?" You always love this guy, DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, because. Russell Wilson has never given us two top 24 wide receivers in the same season. The closest he came to that was, you know, bear with me here, was Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham. If you had taken Jimmy Graham's fantasy points in 2016, he would have been 25th in non-PPR, 31st in PPR at wide receiver. But that's it. I mean, I'm not sure Metcalf is going to be drafted top 24, probably around there. No, he won't be. He'll be, he'll be just outside of it. Yeah. yeah, I don't think so. But only well, around thirty, right? But you, the guys you're drafting in that range, you're hoping they have breakout potential. You're you're drafting a guy that you think has big potential in that late fifth round in a twelve team league, around sixtieth. What, what was you know, and and this is you know skewed a little bit because I, I know what you're saying, the the overall numbers. But Tyler Lockett's rookie season, he closed the year playing very really well, and Baldwin was still playing at a high level. That was when I think Graham got hurt. Yeah, there are definitely. Yeah, I'm surprised Lockett never had a uh, just a kind of a fluky top twenty four season with Doug Baldwin. He well, he, he did. He did when Baldwin. Listened. He did when Baldwin didn't. You know, in 2018. Mm-hmm. You know, that was when Baldwin was hurt. And but these so, are this is this is his best duo probably. What they profile to be like Baldwin was was obviously very good, but I think Metcalf has a higher ceiling if he plays to his level. Do we have an idea on how frequently Seattle's had a top 15 fantasy receiver in yes, Russell f- Wilson's Yes, five time? years in a row. So you could draft both and know that you're getting one number one receiver. Almost certainly. Yeah, but that, that's a lot of capital, though, to spend. Two of your first five picks? Yeah. yeah. But tell me, yeah, do you maybe think... Maybe that's easier to do in an auction. Do you think it could happen where both of them have big years? Because the case you could make is maybe he throws more than he ever has. Um, he pretty much never throws to running back. Like the, the third guy on the team is usually really far down. So I know Heath, you've talked about like the Vikings don't throw the ball a lot in some years, but they've got the scenario where two receivers can be good because those are basically the only guys that get significant targets. You know, is this the year that Russell Wilson, who's been a starting quarterback since 2012, can break that and give us two top 24 receivers? Why could it happen? I mean, it could if, but I think the path to that happening is neither of them are in the top 15. Like, yeah, DK Metcalf could come in at 22 or 23, and Tyler Lockett could be 18 or 19 or flip those around. Um, I don't, and, or their defense could just be absolutely atrocious, and they could be forced into throwing 550 passes, and Russell Wilson could be the number one quarterback, and they could both be top 15 guys. I think it's more with the running game, too. The run game is atrocious. You know, you got all these guys that are banged up, and I know Mr. Optimism, Pete Carroll, says, Chris Carson is going to be fine, but this is now two or four years where he hasn't been able to finish the season due to a lower leg injury or a leg injury, you know, hip and a broken leg. Um, Rashad Penny, you know, he's for, for Pete Carroll to say something on a negative side that he's going to potentially start on the pup list. That's probably a bad sign for Rashad Penny. You know, they're talking about Marshawn Lynch again. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's been on Westworld. He's an actor at this point. You know, I mean, what, what are we, what are we expecting from him and DJ Dallas? You could say maybe he has potential, but it just, it just, if the run game fails and, you know, even if Carson is just good and not great, you know, then Russell Wilson has to be more Herculean because the defense being being bad. I think you're right, Heath. I think you, you're going to see probably 
the two guys be outside of the top, or Dave, whoever said it, outside of the top 15, maybe more so than one guy being in it. But that's not necessarily going to be bad. Like, you can get a, a, a 15, number 15 finish from Lockett and a number 18 finish from Metcalf, you know. So I, it goes back to something I said a few weeks ago. I'd rather take the value of Metcalf where you can draft him based on the value of Lockett because I do think that Metcalf will close the gap a little bit this year. Okay, I just want to make one final point. Before, Don't forget the tight ends, too. I mean, you know, Greg Olson, if he stays healthy, he's going to be a factor in Disley if he's there. Okay, so now I'll make my final point. The, before, uh, before Tyler Lockett got hurt, never missed the game, but he got hurt against, I believe it was San Francisco in Week 10. Russell Wilson was the number one quarterback in fantasy. He was blowing everyone away, basically. And uh, Lockett was like a top-five wide receiver, and I think Metcalf was somewhere around 20. So... You know, maybe we just didn't get to see a full season of Wilson at his best, but Wilson was just killing it those first nine games uh, before Lockett got hurt. Has he done that before? Yes, he's, he's a been... streaky guy. Yes, that is definitely in his. I, DNA, I wonder if it's guy. if it's a a Tom Brady like scenario where Brady is always good in October and November, and then they just get so run heavy in December. Like, is this a storyline that we should be selling Russell Wilson? As they get to the playoffs, I don't think so. I don't think it's broken down like that consistently. I just think he is. Uh, he has. He has a lot of disappointing weeks and a lot of league winning weeks. It's no, that like, much I know. But I wonder. But if I don't think it's. Pattern. I don't think it's calendar based. Is it? I wonder if there was a pattern to it. Like well, Brady, you knew. Just as an example, last year from week. Forget from about last year. We know last week year. eleven. Go, go right. back to the previous year. That's what I want to know. I want to know seventeen, eighteen, sixteen. You know those seasons. Is there is there a pattern of Russell Wilson maybe getting hot at the end of the season? Maybe it's just that's when he plays his best, and last year was a fluke. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll look at his splits by month because I know with Tom Brady, there's a big drop, a pretty big drop off in December. Um, with Russell Wilson, no, not really. Touchdown. There was no, he had December's one game. his best month. Seventy well, most games, okay, but so seventy-one touchdowns. Yeah, but last year he had one game. Last four weeks of the season, one game with eight. One with 22, one with 33, one with 10. 10 was week 17. Well, we can finish the show with some Apple Podcast questions. I want to thank everybody. Oh, (laughs) two truths and a lie. (laughs) We'll we'll do that. Uh, Well, I do want to thank everybody for leaving Apple Podcast reviews. They're very helpful for us as we continue to grow our show. I also want to encourage you to just tell your friend. Just tell one friend about our show. Just help us grow. Help us uh, increase our listenership. We really appreciate it. Next week, we have some very interesting topics. We're going to look back at a draft we did last year and kind of sit, you know see the trends. Who's going to be next year, this year's Dalvin Cook, the late round two pick that's much better than we thought? Who's going to be the bust? You know, where is the value? Uh, I think late round quarterbacks and tight ends is something we can hit on, but there's that. We're talking about year two wide receivers. That's where it's at, baby. Great receivers break out in year two. So we'll talk about that. Um, workhorse running backs who aren't very good, like may- maybe Todd Gurley, maybe Le'Veon Bell. Um, that, that's Definitely always- Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, if he's still a workhorse. <laughs> uh, if, uh, that's an interesting range of players, so we'll discuss that. And here's the lie I told, uh, apparently. The, the, right, one, so- the one draft pick I made that is going to haunt me for the rest of the offseason, apparently. Well, it just depends which league you take him in and which league you don't. Um, who is the rookie wide receiver in the best spot to contribute right away? Justin Jefferson of the Vikings. And he is the rookie wide receiver you'll be drafting first? In a redraft league, yes. 
And in uh, the magazine that is coming out in June, you had a chance to take him or another rookie wide receiver. Did you take him? I tried to, but it auto-picked the other guy. It auto-picked the oh, okay, auto-picked. Got it. So <laughs> when you drafted the Henry internet Ruggs, did it, Jamie. When you drafted Henry Ruggs ahead of Justin Jefferson, you're going against your uh, your bold prediction. I guess so. I I don't know what that's all about. I don't remember making the pick. I apparently I drafted Ruggs ahead of where did Jefferson go? Like three picks later. I guess I didn't get him in the next round out, did I? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's see. Let me let me take a look at your team here. Your team in that draft is this will be uh one of one of the rare reveals we have for a magazine. You took Dalvin Cook in round one, Kenyon Drake in round two. Oh, this could be the reason. I'm gonna give you an out. You took Adam Thielen in round three. Maybe you didn't want to load up on the Maybe. That would and, be and great, Dalvin Cook. <laughs> that, that would be a great friendship strategy, though. It actually would have been. What, did I, what, what was it? I thinking not taking Jefferson there? Adam wow. Thielen in round three. Amari Cooper round four. DK Metcalf round five. David Montgomery round six. Marquise Brown round seven. Marlon Mack round eight. And then here we go. Henry Ruggs the third in round nine. That's a you pretty good team. That's a, it's a good Madison. team. I like that. I like Hayden Hurst. Oh, who's my quarterback? Jared Goff and Daniel Jones. Oh, woo! Hot, love it. Let's play it out. Let's play it out. It's a good team. It's a Thank good team. You. Thank you. Okay, and you see what I did there? I have uh, two year two wide receivers, Metcalf and Marquise Brown. All right, Apple Podcast questions from Raphael is the best. Well, we'll see about that when we grade your trade. I just traded Aaron Jones and two point twelve for Chris Godwin in Dynasty. How would you grade the trade? Hey, I, I like it a lot. You're the best. All right, good job. Steve from a city west of Toronto. Cambridge. Good job. Is there a book on defending Lamar Jackson now? I need to keep two in a four-point-per-passing touchdown league, and it doesn't affect my draft position. Lamar Jackson, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin, Travis Kelsey. Doesn't matter if there's a book or not. Keep Godwin and Kelsey. Uh, yeah, those are the two best players. Question, though. Does the four-point-per-passing touchdown scoring make Lamar Jackson even more valuable? It does, but not better than those other two guys. It, um, it makes him more valuable relative to the other quarterbacks, for sure. Right, it's a tough kind of trade-off. It makes quarterbacks less valuable, but Lamar Jackson more valuable. Interesting concept. From Blind Zebra, I have 1.1 and 1.3 in my rookie draft. I'm pretty set at on Clyde Edwards-Elaire at one, and the guy at pick two is set on Jonathan Taylor. Should I go Swift or Dobbins at one or at 1.3? I think I'd go Dobbins. Okay. I'd go Judy, but... Well, it depends on how set he is at wide receiver. If he's loaded at receiver then he doesn't need Lamb or Judy or any of those guys. Great show, guys. If, if you have to take a running back, I think Dobbins is a little bit better than Swift long-term. What did we learn today? You lie. <laughs> I lie. Filthy liar, Adam. Wrong about Le'Veon Bell, apparently. Friends don't lie, Adam. Friends don't. What is that from? That is from... Oh, Stranger Things. Yep. Yes. So pissed you about the Wednesday show where you forgot your friend's birthday. Shaggy B is 
currently still Shraggy B's birthday, so I hope he has a great one. All right, we're out of here. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you on Friday with the best of the next half decade of fantasy football. Can't wait for that. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na. <laughs> <laughs>